You're listening to a podcast from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. We're going to get after this, and this is, this is some, some powerful stuff here in God's Word today. And so turn on your, 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 your ears, turn, turn them up, get ready. We're going to get after this. And, and I want to start by asking a question, first of all, here this morning. How many of us have ever been betrayed in life? How many of us have ever experienced betrayal? Put your hand up if you experienced some sort of betrayal. I mean, it probably started very early on in life for most of us. Maybe it was out on the playground where a friend, someone who you thought was a good friend, kind of betrayed you, kind of, you know what, just started to become very mean or very nasty. Maybe it happened in school. Maybe, and, and betrayal happens oftentimes it is with someone who you are close with. They've let you down. They've run out on you. Maybe it was a friend, a family member, a spouse, a co-worker, a neighbor. Maybe it was an employer or an institution that let you down, that betrayed you. Maybe it was even a church that betrayed you. Few things in life are more painful and more difficult than to suffer from betrayal and to have someone close to you, someone that you allowed into your life, someone you thought was there for you, someone who you thought you could trust, and they betray you. It hurts. It stings. And Paul was writing here in Philippians, he's writing in a place that should have caused him a lot of discouragement and a lot of disillusionment and a lot of confusion. He loved, he absolutely loved, it was his passion, it was his desire to go into countries and to go into regions where the gospel had not been been taken yet and to go and to preach Jesus and to see people come to faith in Christ, plant a church, and then move on and repeat and continue to do that. He loved to go to the churches that already had been established and encourage them and, and teach and, and uplift them and, and give them some, some hope and some help and some direction because sometimes the churches were struggling and, and, and he loved to be able to go and do that. His goal though, his absolute goal, the, the thing he wanted to do the very most was he wanted to get to Rome. Rome was like the epicenter of the world. That was the place he wanted to be, and he wanted to go into the heart of the city of Rome and preach the gospel. He wanted to go and strengthen the other churches that were there. He wanted to go and see the Christians that, that, that were there and, and just go encourage them. He had written a letter earlier to them, the book of Romans. He, he had written to them, but he wanted to go and see them. He wanted to go there and preach in Rome. And, and, and Oftentimes, pastors have certain aspirations. Even when I was in, in Phoenix this past week, it was funny. One of the guys that I was in the training center with in Chicago, and he's a gifted preacher, love the guy, he's like a brother. And Charlotte just laughs and says, you, you two are like long-lost brothers, the way that he and I get along. And, and he pulled me aside, and he said, hey, if your uncle ever wants me to preach, I'll preach in his church before he retires. He said, I'd love to do that. And, and he says, I would love nothing more than to preach in Moody Church, the great church downtown Chicago, and, and he has a goal. He, he would love to be able to do that, and I'm like, yeah, fat chance doing that, buddy. I don't think that's really going to happen. I'll, I'll put a word in for you, but I, I, I really don't think that, that that's going to happen. And, and so oftentimes, guys can have, you know, sort of, you know, some hopes and aspirations this way, and Paul wanted to go to Rome. Well, he made it to Rome. He did. 
not in the way that he thought, though. Instead of going into the heart of the city and preaching, he was in the heart of a prison, chained 24-7 to a Roman guard. And not only was he in prison, but this whole story had the, the whole feeling and appearance of betrayal. He's there, extended period of time in prison, and it's feeling like maybe he's been a little betrayed, a little hung out to dry here. And yet, I can't help but to think, in this passage, I hope that, I mean, the way that I read this, and I don't think it's just me, it, it is the Word of God, and the way that Paul is writing this, he's writing this from this disgusting prison with this big smirk on his face that you just could not wipe off. And listen to this in, in Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 12. Love it. And, and, and just, just imagine it with just this big smirk as he's writing this, because he is, is joyful. All right? I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me, being in prison, happened to me, has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word of God, without, the word without fear. Some, still smiling, indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former are proclaiming Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only then in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. In that, I rejoice. Now, when you came in today, if you could be ready, Sandy, to hand out these slips of paper, you should have received a piece of paper, a blank piece of paper. You need to have one and a writing utensil, whether it's your finger, you're able to draw blood, and you're able to draw uh, right on there like that, or you have a pen or a pencil or something like that. Hands up if you need a writing utensil or a piece of paper. You need to have one. Daniel needs one here in the front. So if you need one, just raise your hand. You need one of these, okay? Because... Um, we're, we're going to, to get you to do something. And, and, and here's, here's what this piece of paper should look like, all right? Put a line right across the center, put zero there, and on the top, write the word stars. At the bottom, write the word scars, okay? So, so just do what's up there. Come on, everyone needs to do it because you need to do it for this week and you need to bring this homework. Yes, you're coming to church, you're getting some homework, and, and you're going to bring this piece of paper again next week, okay? So, and, and I'm hoping that you're going to, to do some work on this throughout the course of the week, just writing down some things as they come to mind, okay? So, first of all, under the area of stars, where it says the word stars in the top left-hand corner that you should have written on your now not-so-blank piece of paper, those are the accomplishments, the highlights of your life, the things that you are proud of, the accolades, the, the things that kind of distinguish you, the major accomplishments or awards in your life. You know, maybe it's your degree. Write down the degree. Maybe you got some sort of accomplishment through work. Maybe it's an award that you received. One of the guys in our church received an award for, the, for home builders here in Kelowna just late last night. And, and so that would be something he'd want to put in his stars category. Maybe um, you've, you've climbed the corporate ladder and, and, and you've, you've done well. Come on, start writing down some of those stars that come to mind. Maybe it's, hey, I got great, really good grades. I've got a good GPA. And you're, you're, you're thankful for that. You're proud of that. Maybe it 
was a sports accomplishment. Maybe there's a few trophies <laughs> collecting dust, but it's a few trophies on your bookshelf that you're kind of like, hey, I'm kind of, or in a box somewhere that you're kind of like, hey, you know what? That was awesome. And you know what? That team really rallied together, pulled it off. We did a good job. Maybe your marriage, you, you say, man, I married a few grades up over and above where, where, where I'm at. I mean, I would have to put that on there and ha- I'd have to put as a star in my life. Seriously, Charlotte, I mean, amazing woman and amazing wife. And, and, or maybe you've raised some good kids and you, you're thankful for that. And so that's an accomplishment. You're, you're thankful. I don't like using the word proud, but, but you're just pleased that, that it's turned out well. Maybe you've been part of a company or whatever it is. And, uh, or maybe you've owned a company and, and it's gone well. And, and so, so there's encouragement. What are the stars? What are the things you're thankful for? And then down below that. And so throughout the course of this week, not through the rest of this message, I want you to listen to what we're talking about, but we're going to get back to this again and, and discuss it a bit this week. So be thinking about some of those stars of things you're thankful for when you, you kind of go through the history of your life that, you know, some, some things that, that really turned out well. But now, the scars. These are the devastations, the hurts, the failures, the disease, illness, the betrayal, the abuse. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe you're fired and let go from a job. A relationship that is broken. Maybe you're just going to put 1985. That was an awful year. Or maybe it was 1999 or whatever it might be. Maybe it was 1942 and you just remember it. Say that was a terrible, awful, maybe it was a decade. Maybe it was the 70s. Maybe it was, you know, the year 2000 and, and beyond that. You just, it's been tough. And, and, and things that have hurt, things that have made life hard and difficult. I encourage you to be thinking of some of those scars in life. Here's the thing though, is, and, and encourage you to be thinking about that this week. Here are the things about the stars. So let's go back up to the top. The stars, they will oftentimes reveal what you have worked hard for, what you value. It will reveal what your motivations often are, think, often, often are and what you're passionate about. And, and that's good. That there's nothing wrong with those kind of things. And it, just, it shows a really good insight into the kind of person you are, what you, what you value, as you see, is those high points. And, and, uh, but here's one thing about it you have to be so careful about is that it will also reveal your possible temptations. All right? For example, education. You've worked hard. You've gotten good grades. You've made good accomplishments. You've got some degrees behind your name, and, and, and it's gone well. You've been motivated and a good, good GPA to go with that. And, but it can also reveal that is becoming an idol in your life, something that is an area of pride. And Oswald Chambers, the guy who wrote, wrote Upmost for His Highest, um, he made this statement, he said, education can lead to untested arrogance. Think about that. That, and any one of our stars can, can become an area of, of arrogance for us, something we become proud of and start patting ourselves on the back and start believing the press about us and think, aren't we something? And we start stealing the glory that should be going to the Lord and we take it upon ourselves. And anytime you do that, that's when the Lord, I believe, just kind of takes a little step back. He says, okay, go for it. It's all you. Go for it. And so our stars can become areas of untested arrogance. Our scars, down to the bottom part of the page, now get this, and you might want to write this down. This 
The scars will help you understand your mission in life. They'll help you understand your mission. Our scars, believe it or not, and this is what society teaches so different than this, but God's Word teaches it the way that it really works out, is our scars have the most opportunity to be used by God, even over and above our stars and our accomplishments. Our our stars can be used by God, but our scars can be used oftentimes in a greater way for God's glory. Our scars can bring forth joy in our lives if we allow them to. So now, let's get back. You can just park that. We can can discuss this a little bit more at the end of the message. I have one more assignment for you to do on this page, but now park it and take out your your message outline because you've got to write down these notes, or else you can even write it on the backside of that that piece of paper, all right? So, So just keep it handy. And so today what we're going to talk about, just parking the thought about stars and scars now, and uh, we're going to talk about joy in betrayal. We're going to get back here to the passage. And, and first of all, first thing I encourage you to write down is that there can be surprising sources of betrayal. That where betrayal comes from can, can come from the most surprising of sources. You cannot help but wonder, and all of us, all of us, I believe, have been at this point in our lives, at one point or another, just like Paul, you can't, want, you can't help but wonder if Paul ever felt betrayed by God there in that prison. Think about it. Had God turned his back on Paul? Do you think he ever wondered that? Was God punishing him for his past sins? You know, he lived a pretty evil life. We'll get into that a little bit later on in the book of Philippians. I mean, he had a stellar life. He had a lot of stars, but there were some pretty nasty scars that, that developed out of the star part of his life. And, and uh, was God punishing him for, for how he'd lived his life before? I mean, here he is. I mean, Paul is devoted to preaching the gospel. He has sacrificed much. He has suffered all throughout being shipwrecked. He was beaten, starved. He was uh, just, just, I mean, the list goes on of the different things that, that happened. And now he's in prison and it doesn't seem very fair. And the prison that he was a part of was pretty disgusting. And we've talked about that. We've had a picture of it. Uh, as, let's go to the next picture here. Uh, believed to be the prison that he was in. Oftentimes the prison and the prison that he was believed to be in Rome was often an old rock quarry. It was a hole cut out of the rock. And there was one, one entrance going in, one going out. And that was the hole that was above the ground. That was a source of oxygen. The, the sewer system was basically wherever you went. There in that prison cell, it was dirty. It was disgusting, smelly, not a lot of oxygen. It was, it, it was an awful place. And yet, who's there? The Apostle Paul. Doesn't seem right. You have to think at times wondering, okay, is God let me down? God, where are you? What are you doing? You know where God was? He was right there on the prison floor with Paul. He had not abandoned. He had not betrayed him one little bit. Remember, Paul was the person who wrote, inspired by the Holy Spirit in Romans Romans 8.28, for For those who love God, all things work together for good. Paul didn't just write it, he actually believed it. He lived it, that no matter what was going to happen, even in the ugly prison cell, that things were going to work together for good for those that love God. And Paul loved God. God did not betray Paul. God does not betray his own. He was not going to allow his circumstances or his location or even what could look like a betrayal on God's behalf to stop his joy because it wasn't. That's why he's writing this letter with a great big grin on his face. Even though, now this is the part that stung because this was the surprising part. It was brothers in Christ, fellow Christians, fellow preachers that were adding to his suffering 
and imprisonment. Look at verse 15 of chapter 1. It says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim God out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. So here, you're going to have in life, and you have it today, and you're going to have it all throughout. You have your good preachers, and you have your bad preachers. You have those that are preaching with the wrong motives. You also have your false teachers. And, and, and Paul, I mean, in verse 18, he sums it up. He says, but hey, if Christ is being preached, even if these guys are lousy, even if they're doing it with the wrong reasons, motivations, if Christ is being preached, I rejoice. Is Paul getting a little soft? You know, maybe the time in prison kind of was doing him in a little bit. Because, I mean, Paul, I mean, you think about it. He wrote First and Second Corinthians. That's a pretty nasty. I mean, he spoke some pretty harsh words to those that were, were living immoral lives. Who, who were living, you know what, not the way that, that they should be. That God's word calls us to. And, and he wrote some pretty strong statements in those letters. Or the book of Galatians. I mean, he was ticked in that letter. He was... I mean, he wrote that, and I'm sure he was like, I mean, in, in chapter 1, he even says to those false teachers, those, those guys called the Judaizers who said, oh yes, we believe in Jesus Messiah, but it's the Jesus Plus program. You need Jesus, but you also need to follow the Old Testament laws, you need circumcision, you need to do this and that, and they were adding to it, and Paul was ticked off. He said, it's the Jesus Plus nothing program that you are saved, not the Jesus plus this, plus this, plus this. And so they, those they were termed Judaizers because they were trying to turn everyone back to, to the Jewish faith in that way. And, and, and Paul was ticked. I mean, in, in, in Galatians 1, 19, 1, 1.9, he says, May they be damned. He's wanting them to go to hell for the way that they're preaching. He is ticked off over this. So you see, Paul is kind of a bit of a, you know what, he gets fired up. He's a bit of a firecracker. And then in, in chapter 5 of, of Galatians, verse 12, these guys he's talking about, these guys who are preaching circumcision, I mean, he, I mean this is pretty, pretty blunt of what Paul says. These guys who are preaching circumcision and say, you know what, in order to be truly saved, in order to, to get to heaven and, and, and to be in the in crowd, to have Christ in life, you also got to be circumcised. Paul says, why don't these guys go out and cut, cut it right off completely? Cut, their, cut, cut themselves off completely. I mean, he is, he, he's really giving it to them. He's a little fired up about these false teachers and, and apostles. And, and even today, we have to be so careful. And of those that, that we know, that, we're, that we talk to, and, and who are preaching or listening to the preaching or the teaching of a different Jesus. There's many different Jesuses out there. There's the Jesus of the Bible that we follow. But there's the Mormon Jesus, the JW Jesus, the New Age, the naturalistic Jesus, the health and wealth prosperity Jesus. There's the, there's the Jesus, but you also have to do this and this and this to inherit eternal life. We have to be so careful. We need to be asking ourselves the question when we're listening to preaching, when we're talking to others, when we're talking about other churches, are they, do they believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the God of very gods? Do they believe that Jesus lived a sinless life, died as an atoning sacrifice for our sin? If, we can, if they believe that and that's what they're preaching, 
That's great. We love them. There may be different methods. There may be different things that, that they hold on to, some open-handed issues, you know, that, that we may differ on. But if they are preaching Jesus and they are preaching that he was the perfect son of God, the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and that's what they're preaching, that's great. And yes, Paul is saying in Philippians chapter 1, yes, there are these guys that are preaching Jesus, but they're preaching the real Jesus. They're just doing it with the wrong motives. They're preaching it out of, you know, jealousy or envy or rivalry. And for whatever reason, the way that they're going about what they're doing is meaning that it's adding to Paul's suffering in prison. Don't quite understand how that is. Different commentators have come up with different reasons and, and, and thought on that. But the way that these guys are preaching and conducting themselves, they're adding to, to Paul's chains. And yet he says, but the gospel's being preached. God's going to sort it out. It's okay. He says, I rejoice. The gospel is going forward. I wonder today, though, how many people, how many of us know people, and I'm not going to ask for a showing of hands, so don't raise your hands on this one. How many of us know people, Christians, who have given up on church, who have given up perhaps even on their faith, so to speak, because of things that have happened to them within the church or at the hands of other Christians? We all probably know of people like that. We've probably all experienced some sort of hurt or betrayal that has come alongside of that. And, and these people have said, well, if that's the way church is, if that's the way they go about doing it, I don't want to have anything to do with church. And sadly, sadly, there are many of those who have been hurt and disappointed and have walked away from the church and even their faith. But our eyes and our focus cannot be on what others have done. We have to get it on Christ. That's what Paul was doing. It's like, hey, we honor Christ. We live for him. It's going to happen. Don't let betrayal steal your joy, all right? Don't let it steal your joy. Don't let it steal the joy that there is in Christ. Paul's bruised feelings and reputation and his living conditions were all insignificant compared to the advance and the splendor and the beauty of the gospel. It's like, it's okay, I, I can handle this. The gospel's going forward, this is a good thing. Today there are so many joy less Christians. And you don't, you don't find healing by focusing on the sins of others. You don't do it. I mean, Paul's focus, yeah, rivalry, envy, envy they're preaching with the wrong motives. That's okay. I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on the gospel. I'm going to focus on Christ. You'll never find healing by trying to focus on the sin of others. Paul found joy he found joy. You know how he found it? He was anchored to Jesus. Paul knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was right there with him in the prison cell. Listen to this, folks. You've got to listen to this because we can be so deceived in this. Spiritual maturity is not based on Bible knowledge or right behavior or the number of years that you've walked with God or the success or the leadership positions you've had within the church. It's not based on that, that the real spiritual maturity is not based on that sort of thing. We think it is, but real spiritual maturity is becoming, is having Jesus become more and more and more real to us day by day. It's a whole new way of thinking. That's why this whole message series is developing the mind of Christ, a new way of thinking. Thinking through the gospel, thinking biblically through the struggles and stuff of life. It's becoming, looking more and more 
how does that song go? Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth, not just material things, the hurts and the betrayals and the illness and the disease and the setbacks will grow strangely. Paul was in the prison. Yeah, it stunk. Yeah, it was awful. Yeah, there's these guys going around preaching. And he's like, you know, it, it's dangerous to preach because God does deal with his people that are get out of line. He does. He does. And, and Paul's just, okay, you know what? I'm not the chief shepherd. That's the chief shepherd's job. I'm just his sheepdog. I am just here to, to do what the master wants. I've got a great story if you want to hear about a sheepdog story and, 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 and that. Take me out for coffee and a snack, and I'll tell you that story. Love to do that sometime, uh, but not for today. Anyways, don't let betrayal steal your joy. I remember a few years ago, um, I walked through a very, very difficult time in life. And the kind of the middle of it or, or the worst part of it was remembering a meeting that, that I had. And, and when I would think about it, it would, would bring up a lot of frustration, a lot of hurt. And it was like, you know, ripping the bandage back open and, and, and feeling the wounds of that. And it was sometime later, a dear friend to me, a dear friend of mine said, he asked me the question, he said, in that meeting that was going on that has caused you hurt and, and, and bitterness and disillusionment, where was Jesus in that meeting? Where was Jesus? Did, did he get held up in traffic and didn't make it to that meeting? Did, was he busy dealing with stuff going on in Iraq or Afghanistan or in Washington and trying to deal with Obama or whoever was president at that time? Is that where he was? Where was Jesus when that meeting was going on and you felt alone and when it was hard and it was tough? Where was he? He was right there behind me all the way with his bruised and beaten back covering me saying, I've got your back, Melvin. I've got your back. He was there the whole time. And as I started thinking about that and remembering, it caused worship and to realize, why didn't I turn to you sooner, Jesus? You were right there with me. He doesn't abandon his own. He's there with us every step of the way. He is there. Don't let betrayal steal your joy. Don't let hurt, disillusionment steal it. Turn to him. He's there. Turn to him. Worship him. Call out to him. He will answer. Second of all, we see the surprising blessing. Saw the sources of betrayal. It can come from very close, from, from Bible preachers. These guys are preaching God's word. And, and, but then we can also see the surprising blessing of betrayal. The surprising blessing of betrayal. So remember, Paul, Paul's goal, his dream, talked about it just a few moments ago, was to preach in Rome. It was like the London. It was like the New York of the ancient world. Got to get to Rome. Got to get to Rome. Stand in the city, in the city center and preach to the crowds. Well, he made it there, as I mentioned, but this time in the center of a jail cell, 24-7 to a Roman guard. And this is what I love. This is is so good about God's word, and and I've read it before, but I've got to read it again in verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. The gospel has become so well known throughout, notice the word, 
whole prison guard. The Bible does not lie. It does not exaggerate. And so when Paul wrote under the influence, or, or when, when this was written under the influence of the Holy Spirit by probably Paul, as, as, as it, well, it was Paul who authored it, but maybe he had Epaphroditus or, or someone, or uh, Timothy writing it there for him. We don't know that for sure. But as Paul is writing this, inspired by the whole Holy Spirit, it says, to the whole imperial guard. It's believed that guard was about 9,000 soldiers. I mean, let's face it, it would have been pretty big news amongst Caesar's soldiers, the imperial guard. Hey, we got Paul. You know, that, that preacher guy that, that we heard this reputation that he has and he's even busted out of prison. Understand the orders are that somebody's going to be locked to that guy 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He's not going anywhere. Wherever he goes, a Roman soldier goes. One of the imperial guards is there. And so the news no doubt would have spread. They didn't have social media like Twitter or Facebook to get the news out. It just got out there. And so it spread. And, but it wasn't just about Paul being there. It was about the message. It was about what was going on. And I just love how this probably would have happened. I doubt that Paul would have turned to... I mean, could you imagine? I mean, it's now your turn. You've been assigned to Paul for the next 12 hours or however long the shift might go. And so you get locked onto him and, and Paul turns to you and you know exactly what's going to happen. He looks at you and says, let's do this. And do you think he just started preaching the gospel to him? I'm not sure if he preached the gospel or he just said, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story about a man who changed my life. His name is Jesus. And he starts telling that soldier one by one by one about Jesus and the difference that he's made. And over time, as they were saw him, they saw, he's not just speaking this, he's living it. Jesus has changed this man. I mean, this guy was a guy who was out persecuting Christians, killing them, giving the order for them to be killed, is transformed by this Jesus, and is now so in love and so wants Jesus to be well-known and, and for others to turn to him that they start seeing there's something to this Jesus. He's real. The gospel advances. The gospel advances. It wasn't to the crowds of hundreds or thousands but one by one by one, he was faithful. And look at, you got to underline this. Turn to Philippians 4, the last part in your Bible. You need to be bringing your Bibles. You need to be underlining them. I encourage you to do that because this is God's word and, and, and there's something really cool in here, okay? Verse 21 of Philippians 4. It says, this is his final little send-off, you know, sincerely yours. And so this is how he ends the letter. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints, so all the Christians here in Rome greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Underline that. Especially those of Caesar's household. I love how God works. The Roman government puts Paul in prison to shut him up and stop him from preaching the gospel because he was a threat. And yet guard after guard gets the gospel infiltrated into their own hearts and ends up becoming into Caesar's household that even the Christians within Caesar's household are saying, send greetings to the church there in Philippi. We love them. I mean, isn't that amazing? I mean, how the gospel makes this kind of an inroad. I'm sure Paul was sitting there. I mean, apart, well, as he said, wow, I didn't see this coming. Folks, when we apply the gospel and we trust him with our lives, write this down, please. Wow, I didn't see that coming. 
Joseph in the Old Testament, think of him, had a dream. God's going to use you in a great way. Betrayed by his brothers, dream is thwarted. This is what the kids are talking about today in Harvest Kids. He becomes a slave, he's falsely accused, he ends up in prison for a very long time, and it's like, what is going on? Where is God in all of this? I'm sure he was asking that question. In the end, becomes the second in command in Egypt, saves the world, saves his family, saves the Israelite nation, and he would have said, wow, never would have seen this coming. Just as Paul said, wow, would have never seen this coming. I love the verse in Genesis 50, verse 20. This is something that we need to always remember and and have in the forefront in our mind when we're walking through difficulties. And, And what does it say there? What was meant for evil... God meant for good, even the salvation of many souls. That that if we take the betrayals and the hurts and we allow God to do a work in and through that and it becomes our mission field and an opportunity for God to, to use us in different ways in people's lives, it becomes our area of ministry. What was meant for evil, God meant for good. Wow, didn't see that coming. I think of a conversation I overheard between a few folks here at Harvest a few weeks back. Oh yeah, I do listen. As I walked by. And I heard one person telling another person and said, we've been praying for years and years here in this city for there to be a church like Harvest Bible Chapel here in Cologne. And one that preaches the word without apology. One that is built on prayer. And basically I heard this person say, wow, didn't see this coming. Didn't think it was going to be through the setup and takedown. Didn't think it was going to happen this way. Didn't, didn't even know about Harvest back then when we started praying for this. God uses the broken road to draw us closer to Him. He shows us a new way. He shows us His way. Another blessing in betrayal. The first one is the advance of the gospel. The gospel is going forth. Another thing, no, we're, we're in the, the boldness of the gospel. And most of the brothers, in verse 14 it says, and most of the brothers have become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are so much more bold to speak without fear. Paul's chains have encouraged the other preachers and the other Christians to be strong and to be bold. And, and what is our fourth, fourth pillar? Sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with boldness. Now this word boldness does not mean to shove it down someone's throat. We show up to people's houses in Glenmore and say, hi, we're from Harvest Bible Chapel. We believe in Jesus and shove it down their throat. We don't do that to our neighbors, our co-workers, to family members. You don't go and you don't shove Jesus down the throat of people. What this means is a humble reliance, confidence in our faith, but a reliance on God and sureness of our faith that grows as we proclaim God's word, as we live God's word, as we lift high his name in worship, as Jesus is at the center, as we're people of prayer, that he gives us boldness, which means that, that a loving confidence, a love in action, that's boldness. And Paul's suffering caused others to be strong. And to speak the good news of Jesus Christ with confidence and with boldness. They saw what Paul was going through. It inspired them. Say, hey, I can be strong where I'm at. I can speak for Christ. If Paul can be strong, so can I. Now listen to this. Some of you will remember this. Some of you won't. 1956. And I remember it not because I was born then, but because this is a very incredible story. In January 1956, five missionaries died in an attempt to share the gospel with the Wadami tribe in Ecuador. This is an amazing story of these missionaries who felt the call of God to go and to serve in an area of of Ecuador and take the gospel to a very primitive country, to a very primitive jungle uh, tribe 
of people. However, after thinking they made some very significant attempts towards a relationship with these people, they were betrayed. And shockingly, to a world that got news of this, their bodies tragically were found floating down the river, murdered. Five instant widows, children without fathers, not going to be coming home. And as the news spread of this tragedy, hundreds, thousands of young people in the United States and Canada committed their lives to missionary service. They saw the gospel was worth dying for. When they saw the heart and the commitment of these men, Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, Ed McCauley, Pete Fleming, Roger Yodarian. Nate Saint was a pilot working for Mission Aviation Fellowship. Part of the reason why our son's name is Nate is because of Nate Saint. You see, when I was in college, I was a part of a drama group. They were desperate. Uh, and, and it was, they needed five men and they needed five women to, to portray the role of these men. And it was a drama based on this story. Powerful, powerful missionary drama. And I was thrilled to be a part of this in, in the church that I, I grew up in as a young adult. And then in Saskatoon, Charlotte and I were in that drama as we were in a young adult group that I was giving some leadership to. And that drama just gripped our hearts. The story of these men. The amazing thing about this is Jim Elliott and Nate Saint, their widows within three months or so went back into this region and their goal as they believed God called them was to go back and to reach this tribe that took the lives of their husbands. And to reach them for the gospel. Three years later, there was a church that was established there in the midst of that tribe. Marge Saint spent 30 years devoted to that tribe, living with those people who killed her husband. Their son, Steve Saint, who who never got to grow up with his dad, was baptized by two of the men that took the life of his father in the same river where his father lost his life. That is the story of the gospel. That is the story of something far bigger than us going to church on a Sunday. It is about the advancement of the gospel no matter what. And that's what we're called to. And we're going to get into that more next week. The gospel... Betrayal, as we are betrayed, as we go through hard times, there's a surprising boldness that comes from seeing others suffer and go through hard times. Fast forward that story just a little further into the 1990s, the first time that I was a part of doing that drama. The main guy, Jim Elliott, had a lot of lines to memorize, and so we had this brilliant guy. He worked for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and for one of the local TV stations, so gifted, had this great deep voice, great radio voice, okay for TV. <laughs> He's not going to hear me say that. And, uh, and, and he was a guy that just was up and coming but felt so like his life was just being wasted and doing what he, he was doing. And then he was Jim Elliott in this drama. And this drama so gripped him. You know where he is serving the Lord today? In Ecuador. 
He went there and worked for HCJB, a Christian radio organization that was satellite systems before the internet stuff was going on. Went and he worked in, in the Christian radio station there. Went there, raised his own support, served the Lord there, found a wife. Uh, God just has blessed him. And now he's pastoring a large international church in Quito, Ecuador. That story continues. The advance of the gospel. The only thing that will last... For time and eternity, yes, we can do business. Yes, we can do great things here on this earth. But only the gospel will go into eternity and will be forever. And we can be a part of that. The surprising blessing of betrayal means that we can have a boldness and a confidence because of what Christ has done. And the last thing we can have end out our message here today is joy in the gospel, if we could get that slide up. Joy in the gospel. When you go to a movie, if you could put that last one up, John Luke, with the one that says joy in the gospel, so they have the complete thing. You know, when you go to a movie, um, an action adventure or Disney one, it would seem that you have the choice of paying a little bit more money and watching that movie in 3D. And you get a pair of glasses like this. I took the lens out, but these are actual some 3D glasses, and I took the lens out. I found some somewhere in, in, in our house. And, and, uh, and so you put these on, and it allows you to, to see the movie in a whole other dimension, that third dimension that is just amazing. It's like things are coming towards you, and, and it's really kind of cool. You take it off, and you try watching a movie without the glasses. Everything is blurry. It's hard to see, and you get a headache. Put the glasses on, and it's Wow, it's clear, it's cool, it's life in three dimensions. It is so cool. And then if somebody starts throwing popcorn around, it's a fourth dimension. It even becomes a little bit more crazy. And so you, you put these lenses on, and, and it just makes everything that much more clear. It makes things crisp. It's like, oh, that's why it's happening. That is so cool. That is amazing. You know what we need to do with the betrayals and the confusion and the hurts in life. Take out your stars and scars. Let's go to stars and scars. This is what you need to do. We need to put the gospel lens on every one of those. And I'd encourage you even right now to write the word across that line there, that across in both areas, even if it's covering up some of the words that you've written, and even as you keep adding to it, write in gospel joy. Looking through the lens of the gospel through the stars in life, as well as in the scars of life. Learning to speak the gospel into these areas, into the broken relationships. The gospel heals broken relationships. Don't focus on the sin. Focus on the forgiveness that Christ offers. The gospel allows us to see the most difficult relationship in the world Reconcile. You know what the most difficult relationship to reconcile is? Yours and God's. Mine and God's. That's the most difficult relationship because our sin has caused a chasm that we cannot bridge. We cannot get across. It is too deep. It is too far for us to be able to get to God and our sin has caused that chasm. But the gospel, what Christ has done has repaired that chasm, has caused there to be a bridge for us to be reconciled. Our sin has caused that chasm, but the gospel, because of the Redeemer, Jesus, has bridged that chasm. He restores that relationship. The gospel, the work of Christ, brings healing 
into our scars. The gospel speaks into our stars and it puts things in a gospel perspective, the things that were the accomplishments and things we're happy about and proud of. We look through, through the lens of the gospel. As we do that, we pursue humility. We're thankful, not proud and arrogant people. In the scars, we see that there can be healing. There has been perhaps healing and there needs to continually be more and more healing. We need the gospel more and more in our lives of what Christ has done. And look through everything through that lens. We're going to talk more about that next week. We're going to dig deeper into some of this. As we talk about, for me to live is Christ. Die, it's gain. What are we really living for? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we come to you right now and we're just so thankful that your word is truth. And it speaks deeply into these areas in our life. The stars, the things we're thankful for, the way you have gifted and the way that you've motivated and the way that you've used us and to accomplish some great things. We're, we're thankful. And may we always see you as the, the giver of all these things. And Father, through the scars in, in a room like this, there are many scars. Scars that have been healed and some today are still oozing. And some of them are filled with confusion and wonder. May we know that through Jesus Christ there can be healing. Thank you for the example of Paul who saw everything in light of what you were doing in the light of the gospel. May we do the same. That even through the hard stuff, we know that you are accomplishing things in our life. A new trust and a new calling out to you, Jesus, for everything in our lives. May we be more and more fully dependent on you. May we see everything through the eyes of the gospel, knowing that in the betrayal and the hurts and the confusion, if we are in Christ, you are right there with us every step of the way. Thank you, God, for saving us. Thank you, God. And I pray if anyone here doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, that even today they would turn to you as the only hope for life and for eternity. You see, when we pursue the gospel through the stars and the scars, there's joy in the midst of the confusion and hurt. Thank you, God, for saving us.